Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. There we are. See, it just comes right on. Got it. Um, It looks horrible, though. All right, we're going with it. Uh, we will look like Twilight characters today because um, it's, it's hard to do the, both sides of this thing, right? Y'all know this? It's, it's difficult to, like, uh, I don't know, be a guest at the same party that you're hosting. Mm. That's what it is. Oh, man. <laughs> I liked that. So, anyway, uh, thanks for being here, gang. You have, if you're on here and you're in the U.S., you either have off this week because of Thanksgiving or... You have like three days to go and then you're just chilling. So we want to help you in any way that we can to get from here to there, because there's nothing like going into Thanksgiving break or or any break, really, when you just feel like you're you don't got it. Your the juice is gone. So we want to make sure that we help you get in to this uh, feel as good as as humanly possible. So, um, yeah. So with that. If you have a question, please show up and just put the question in the in the chat with a queue or a question before it so that we know that it's a question. Uh, and look, if you see somebody in there that has a that you're like, man, I'd really love like you hear us talk about something and you're like, I would actually suggest this. Put it in the chat, like type their name and let them know that you're writing to them, because that is just it's a way that we just show up for one another. And it's a way for you to show up and be able to give as well. So. um. Yes. You're going to start us off? I am going to start us off. I got it. I got it. Joshua Chisholm hit me up on Instagram the other day and asked if I would answer this question on Sunday Night's Talk, and I will oblige. So the question is, any tips on becoming a better listener or slowing down your mind when it's racing a million miles per hour? I think being a better listener is stopping what you're doing and listening. Don't try to keep typing the email. Don't try to keep grading the papers. Don't try to give a kid directions or or find late work for someone or, or, or missing work for someone. Stop, focus on what's happening right then. And then that's all you're doing. You're just focusing on listening to someone. You want to be able to listen well enough in your own head that if necessary, you could repeat back to them. You could paraphrase back to them what they just said to you. To slow down, it is for me. It's it's movement. Um, so that might be movement to. It might be just walking. It might be going outside, like and somewhere near nature. It doesn't matter. Like in Philly, we had uh, the front of our school had grass, and then it had a couple of trees, um, and they weren't even good trees. That like one was like a holly tree, which is like they're just they're just evil because they, you can't even walk in your bare feet on the grass, but like, as if I was going to do that at school, but just somewhere even near that level of nature just made me feel better. So oftentimes I just walk out of the school building, go out front, no one can see and just stand there, walk on the side of the building and just take a breath to really calm yourself down. And the science supports it. I mean, it's just really good. It just helps, helps with that stuff. Absolutely. This lighting is ridiculous. It's really terrible. I am not so sure that I love this. I, I, I definitely <laughs> don't love this. Especially, I have a headache today. Well, you just made it even worse. I did. Now, now we're look, blurry. I'm gonna, should I leave it like this? <laughs> no. All right. You got a question for me? Uh, yeah. We're just going to move keep, through. We'll keep, figure it out. I don't know. This now is, you confused the whole camera. I did. It's just not going back. I swear, technology is sometimes one of those things that... Here, let me see if I'm magic. Yeah, put your magic hand up there. Everybody see my hand? Here we are. It's still blurry. All right. Okay. You keep going. I'm going to try and fix it. No, you Leave me a question. (laughs) Okay. Stephanie, here we go. This is live, literally. Uh, Steph Shook is up asking, I'm pursuing national board 
board this year with uh, with a buddy. CJ, when you were writing your book, how did you manage uh, your writing time to ensure uh, you made all the deadlines along with everything else in life? Uh, so I took a note from, um, I forget who said this. I want to say it's Neil Gaiman. Oh, that, that kind of looks way better. Neil Gaiman, I think he said this. It is sitting down. So for me, it was, it's maximizing your time and making sure that your time is not just maximized, but like, so what I mean by that is like, uh, when is the best time of your day? So there are typically like three different periods of someone's day. You have a, a green time, a red time, or a green time, a yellow time, and a red time. So at what time, Steph, are you at your best? Are you at your creative best generally? So mine is, uh, I'd say somewhere from like, 8 to 11 a.m., something like that, right? Uh, so I wake up and I'm do all my morning stuff. And then by the time I can like sit down and I'm focused, I'll say it's 8 o'clock a.m. for like a big project like that. I then turn off my, I put my phone on silent. I let everyone know that they're not allowed to talk to me in the whole house if anyone's here because I got to just focus in. I find that going to the same place and doing the writing at the same time. I listened to the same playlist. I listened to the same probably 30 songs when I was writing my book over and over and over again. And that is because I don't want to like pick new songs. I don't want to, I just want to get into that, to that flow. So uh, then it is wanting to produce something. It is not thinking about it. It is just writing. I'm not during this time, I'm not outlining, I'm not researching. This is the writing time is the writing time. So even if I write for an hour or an hour and a half, let's say, like, let's just say you, you wrote for an hour and a half. It is trying to produce, my goal was to produce like three crappy pages a day. That's all I had to do was like three crappy pages a day. And then this is, I took this idea from Ernest Hemingway. When you finish writing a section, like when you're done for the day, when you know you're finishing for the day, know that, know the next thing you're going to say so that the next time you sit down, you're not just starting from nowhere. You actually have an idea of like, you you read that last sentence or two and you're like, oh yeah, this is what I was going to say next. So you're kind of like giving yourself momentum. Um, it's, it's the, I thought of it as equivalent to like pushing my bike to the top of the hill so that when I start pedal pedaling, it's easier instead of like starting at the bottom of the hill and I got to get all the way up to the top first. So that's kind of how those are a few of the things I also wrote in the same place by, I either wrote in our bedroom or I wrote at the same Starbucks in the same seat. Um, so that I just it cut out decision-making and it and made it more of a routine and a rhythm for me. I would say ultimately you also really he had to be really diligent with cutting like time like out. And this is my dedicated time that I'm doing this, which is why you cut everything else out. Cause yeah. you really only had, there's only so much time in a day with all of your commitments. I imagine that you have stuff that you really, when you're sitting down to do it, you really have to sit down and do it. And you really have to focus. And you just yeah. created such a good like rhythm and routine for that. When you did sit down that you were, that you were very focused on it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's key. Uh, okay. Our Thanks. next question. Thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. Your next question. Uh, well, I know because I hated it. I was always like, oh gosh, she's going to come right. This means like, I just couldn't talk to you or like. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yep. All right. Ian's up next. Um, oh, actually, this is not a question, but he just wanted to give me some, some love and say okay. he's a first year teacher in Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for being a positive influence um, whenever I'm not sure about how to deal with an issue in my classroom. I watched one of your videos. Thank you. That is That's the best so nice. kind of compliment that you can get. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, okay. Chris Carson is up next asking favorite Christmas movie and why? Elf. Cause it's hilarious and heartwarming and it has so many one-liners that I could sit here all day and tell you one-liners from Elf. We love Elf. That's I love it. you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> We use a lot of them all year long. We do. <laughs> okay. KP is up oh, next. Best cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, asking, hi, CJ and Jen. I 
Where did you get the you've got this and keep going heart decorations on the wall? Oh, I think someone you? actually, I think there was a DM or a message. Uh, these are from, let me do this. So what we're talking about is this. Uh, these are from a, a street artist in Philly who I invited to come to my history of hip hop class. And she did a talk on where these came from and things like that. You can look her up on Instagram. Her name is Amberello. That is A-M-B-E-R-E-L-L-O, I believe. And she made them for my classroom. And then when I left the classroom, that's one of the things that has stayed with us. I've gotten rid of most of the stuff that was in my classroom, but oh, that's one of That's things. an original. You can't get rid of no, that. No, um, And She's to know the fantastic. story behind it, it's like she suffered with a lot of mental health issues and she created them and would put them like on her route of walks of like how I would get to work or how I would get to, you know, public transit or whatever. And she like would wheat paste them along the way to be reminders to herself to say, you got this and keep going. I just thought, I love that story. And yeah. now they're all over. She does. She's in the Philadelphia airport. She gets commissions and travels all over to me. She's pieces. all over the place. She's, she's in awesome. India right now. Oh, she is. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, all right. Sing us a song, CJ. Oh, well, I love you. I'm All right, never mind. Got my one. Dad, <laughs> and I'm singing. All right, Deanna is up next. I am currently responsible for the planning lessons and curriculum for three for three year groups. How can I make this workload manageable for myself, but still create engaging, effective lessons? Uh, hmm. So, the further I got in my so I'll say this, when I first started teaching, I want everything to be original. Then I realized that originality doesn't really, no one cares. No, your school doesn't care. The parents don't care. Your students don't care. They just, the students just want to not have a terrible day or something that's boring. So I figured it was a whole lot easier. So I imagine this, um, if someone asked me to make ramen, right? Like just go out and like whip it up. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know the first place. How do you make a ramen noodle? I don't even know. I don't know what's in that little magical packet of, of awesome, that powder that flavors the water. I don't know anything about it. But I have learned from some friends how to take regular ramen and just level it up. How to add a few things that's going to make people go, wait, what? This is ramen. This is six for a dollar at the dollar store ramen that we sprinkled some magic on. I don't think lessons should be any different than that. It is finding stuff that someone has already found success with. And then this is this is one of my hacks is using that and then putting my own spin on it. So like for me to go out and um, if I'm reading the book, let's say I'm reading uh, Eli Wiesel's Night, right? My daughter's reading this in school right now. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to make my own comprehension questions, right? There's probably a gazillion versions of comprehension questions out there. There's probably a gazillion versions of assessments, but I don't know that that assessment is going to work exactly for me. So I go through and I change things. I move this here and I add a close reading section and I do the stuff that I do. So I, my, my assessments make sense, but some of that stuff I'm not creating from nothing. I'm not creating like I would go through comprehension questions and make sure that it is something that aligns with my standards, that I'm looking for different levels of questions. So I don't want just everything to just be, you know, some kind of recall question. I want deeper, uh, deeper levels of questioning in there, but I'm not making them up from scratch. So this is, it's no different than working with a team. It's just that when you do this, you just don't know who the rest of your team is. And they certainly don't know that you know them. But it's, you know, other things I've done is work for with other teachers to create stuff. So this might be something that you do with someone that's from another school. Maybe it's not even from your state, but you're looking for that collaborative piece that's going to help this go further. I think the other thing is similar to how I answered Steph's question about writing a book. It's creating it's putting a timeline on it, right? There's a, there's a law that is scientific law that says it's Parkinson's law saying a, um, a task will take the time. Basically the task will take the time that you give it. And we all live this. 
because you know for sure that if you have the whole weekend to clean your house, a lot of times for most of us, it takes the whole weekend to clean your house. But if your mother-in-law is coming over and you know how judgmental she is, I'm not saying that about my mother-in-law, Sylvia, not, we're not talking about you here. Uh, we'll talk <laughs> about you some other ways. Um, but the, you know that you can get your house cleaned up like in like incredibly fast because this task takes the time that we give it. So sometimes it's fun to sort of gamify it and say, if I only had this much time, what would I get like to get this done? Could I get it done? Or let me set um, an hour a day or whatever that is of quiet, concentrated. We, we call it going, what do I call it? The tight bubble of total focus is what Robin Sharma calls it, um, where you cut out all external distractions. This is a good reason not to be in your house to do stuff or in your classroom because you'll end up cleaning up stuff or, you know, you'll turn into the like, oh, as soon as I get my my desk all organized, then I'm going to clean stuff up. So instead, creating the time and space to be able to get this done. And then that's how you get you just get more done because you, what happens is your brain gets into this flow state and you can and when that's undisrupted, you can get so much more work done because you are you're in the zone right auto zone yeah oh man thanks for that song i think the collaborative piece though is is everything once our english department started working together and not being like competitive with one another it just changed everything in the school uh jessica is up next asking how do you revamp classroom management in the middle of the year i started out stronger more consistent than past years but have a lot i want to change and don't want to wait until next year i was going to talk to you about this today me yeah i think we should do a want to revamp our classroom management? i think we should we need to revamp our classroom management with our children no um <laughs> i think we should do a workshop on this before winter break Oh, a one-off, like, let us know what something you think. that I th just feel like people need it. Yeah, and I just keep seeing it everywhere. Lot. Yeah, and I think that it's uh, if you need it, great. If you don't need it, fine. Um, but just offering it to folks. So, Jessica, I think one of those things is identifying, like. What are the big issues, right? So is it kids walking around? Is it kids talking when you're talking? Is it kids just not doing work? Is it kids screwing around? Kids coming in late. What what are those issues? And then um, figuring out who your biggest, like who's the biggest problem in those spaces? Um, so like which kids are giving you the most difficulty? And then figuring out like, because there's always like a handful of kids that you're pretty sure if you got them in line, it would eradicate most of your headache. So then it's figuring out specific things to do for those kids. And so one of those things I think that teachers stop doing uh, by and large, I think um, it's not just calling home to tell them that their kid is out of pocket. It's keeping kids on a rotating, like, I'm checking in every week. And the way that I always did that was I, because generally behavioral issues lead to grade issues. So most kids that are acting up are not doing well in class. So it's focusing on that, focusing on um, like, then I would do like a grade tracker. So like every Friday you have to write down are you like, what do we learn this week? Um, how did you feel about class this week? Some of that kind of stuff. But then it was ultimately what assignments did you miss this week? Like what's a zero in the grade book or what is missing in the grade book? And then what is your current grade in class? If your current grade is not passing, like if you're currently failing, even if a 70 is passing and you have a 69, you have to take this form home and get it signed by a parent or guardian and then on Monday, if you do not bring it back, I send out a blanket email to all parents saying, all parents I didn't get those from and say, hey, if you're not receiving this, if you're receiving this email, it's because your student is failing my class currently. And they were supposed to bring home this document to you so you could see what was going on and they did not return it. So it's that sort of like consistent and repetitive 
parent involvement that's going to, I think, really, really helps because it helps parents to be on the same page and it helps them to know what's going on with their kid. And it also stops kids from getting to progress reports or report cards and going like, wait, what? I'm failing. And it's like, bro, you have a 16. Not only are you failing, you're failing with fury. So every week checking in with kids so they can see one, what is their grade? And then two, like before they even ask you why their grade is what it is, it's you can see what you're missing for the week. And the best part is I didn't have to do anything. All I have to do is keep my grades updated, which is part of my job anyway, but I'm not filling this out. I'm not sending it home. Like that is something I give students to do. So it takes something off my to-do list. We are. Did you talk about classroom management? Yes. Oh, I didn't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it was the best piece of classroom management I was advice reading. that I ever gave. I was reading everyone's comments. Uh, okay. Gian over on Facebook is up next awesome. asking, how do you handle dramatic students who complain loudly and it disrupts the class? And so, and said student does not want to do any work in class. Um, I think it's either. So that kid class, like, or they want attention. So I would, I would sit down with them and talk to them about it. Um, I would, so those kids, I either talk to them about it and see like, what's really going on here and why aren't they doing work and that sort of thing. Um, and then call out their behavior. Like, because you're always, you do this in class. This is what I see a lot in class is like, we do this whole dramatic moment. Um, and letting them know that you see that, letting them know you see them, letting them know that you care, letting them know that you want to see what you could be doing better to make the class something where um, it's a little bit more enjoyable for them, if not a lot more enjoyable to them. And then, you know, depending, Gian, depending on who you are, I typically meet that stuff with my own like dramatic moment, right? So if someone's like, oh my gosh, why do we have to do this? We're reading again. I usually answer it back in somewhere similar. I know I just, I don't even know why we even have to keep reading. It's, it's as if it's the route to all other education and that you wouldn't be able to do anything else in school if you'd read it. I mean, we act like it's that big of a deal. And so I just answer back with stuff or like if they say why are we reading again it's like did you ask your math teacher why there was numbers today like did you just go numbers again like science oh we're doing formulas again like what is all we ever talk about in history is stuff that used to happen it's like why in my class do i am the only one that gets these questions so it's like literally like just kind of meeting them there and or just saying like that's what i'm looking that's the sort of spunk i'm looking for let's get into this and so it's almost like meeting kids drama with some sort of like playful drama that just, I just, it acknowledges it. In my case, it always eradicated it for the most part. And um, it made kids be quiet. And sometimes, look, <laughs> sometimes that's all you want, right? You just want to move on and get and start the lesson because you know what's coming up. And even though, I tell you, this is what we're doing. And that doesn't sound fun. You just don't know that it's going to be interesting or, or inspiring or cool or, in, you know, any of the other things. So it's, you know, that's how I have dealt with it in the past. Ah, uh, teenagers. Yeah. They're just being teenagery. Yep. <laughs> that's at least, that's what we call it here. Yeah. Call it being teenagery. All right. Noah is up next. I know it's nothing you can do about it. Asking about six months ago, I asked when we would, when we would get bubble microphones. You said soon. When is soon? Oh, jeez. Uh, well, six months ago, I didn't plan to move to New Mexico. We didn't. Uh, and, so life goals have kind of. But also, getting like the process of, without going into it. I'm gonna without going into the whole thing. It's like. The process of getting no, it's not. It's not even. Made. Let me tell you, it's not even the process of getting them made. I know how to get them made. I know how to do it. I know how to get them here. It's that you have to buy a ten thousand dollar, ten thousand yeah, minimum quantity of them. I don't have anywhere to house a ten thousand uh, quantity, and we would look like utter lunatics. It's, even more than it's, now. So it's figuring out logistics of things like that on our personal end of like 
can I afford to get another storage, like a, a unit to be able to house all of those? Like there's a lot in play. If I could get, I tried really, really hard to find someone, a manufacturer that would just sell us 3000. Um, and I can't even do that. Um, yeah, I think 10 was the, the smallest quantity order that you could do. Um, I can get them in smaller quantities, but I can't get them made in gold. Like they would just be the pink and blue ones that you find at the dollar store, but I can't, Nobody wants people. Well, they don't even ones. sell them. At the, they don't sell them anywhere anymore. They don't. But I can I can get them made, um, and I can get them in pink and blue. Yeah. But to get them like custom, the way that we want them to represent our brand and all that, it's a minimum order of ten thousand. And honestly, we don't have that like ability well, to house them right where now. Where we live now, we probably could. We could. It's just another thing to figure out. But it's like there's you know there's personal logistics behind all <laughs> of that sort of stuff. So. And I really hope soon I still want to, there's a lot that we want to do that's on our list and moving kind of like upheaved a lot of things. And now we're coming back to what some important goals are. And yeah. as we get there, we'll get there. So yep. I would love to get them to you sooner than later, but I don't really have a great I answer. I wish we had them for Christmas. I, I know. It's the perfect stocking stuffer. <laughs> it sure is. Right up there next to teacher class off available now on Amazon. Yep. All right. Looking for another question. Sorry. Sorry, right. you want me to sing? Uh, if you really want to. Nope, got one. Is Thanks, John Fox. Woo, you saved us there. All right, John Fox is Christmas songs too. asking, what are your top three timeless middle school novels and why? Uh, this puts you on the spot. I'll say I'll say this, Fox. What if I had the most oh. fun? Re just where are we going? <laughs> there. Uh, right. I was like, what am I, which one am I looking at? Where are we at? Uh, camera one, camera two. So, stuff I've had the most fun reading, Romeo and Juliet, hands down. Uh, I've had just, I don't know why kids just, they just gravitate. They just loved it. I think it's, it's so still so relatable all these years later. Uh, of Mice and Men, because, again, the relatability factor and just... The the fact I think that we could read it as a play was really fun, and then oh man, it kind of depends on the year, John. Like I had a year where we read, I think it's Tim O'Brien's uh, the things they carried, and the kids just loved it. Another year we read Speak, and kids loved it. I've had both those books on other years, and no one liked them. Uh, Narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass has crushed some years and fallen flat other years in certain classes. So it sometimes it depends on the class and the year. Sometimes V for Vendetta, the graphic novel, was really, really big hit. So yeah, kind of depends on, on who the class is. And that's always part of the game is like feeling out who your class is so you can feel out like what's going to work. Other years... I did away with novels in some periods and just did like a whole unit or half a year on short stories because it just, it just went better with the class. So it all kind of depends. But right. Mice of Men, of Mice and Men and Romeo and Juliet for sure. All right. Patrick is up next. Yes. Asking, currently student teaching at Duke University. Our program is intense and I'm having a rough year with lesson planning. Any advice for me to lessen my stress? So, uh, make it simple, Patrick. It's, it's for me, it's, I think when you student teach, so look, some of this, let me say this, even if you just continue to have a difficult time, part of writing lesson plans when you're student teaching, and even sometimes in your first, like one to two years of teaching is, but college more than anything, college wants all this stuff that is like the core curriculum standards, why you're, why you're, these core curriculum standards are important. Like there's all, like I remember writing seven page lesson plans for one week. It was seven pages long with all this ex explanation in it. And I, as I got, the further you get into it, you're not even sometimes even looking at things like core curriculum standards because it's, you already have it. You already know that you've done the work. I, you can, if someone were to ask you what, what core curriculum skills or what state curriculum skills are you focusing on today? You could just be like, Oh, we're doing this. It's going to be this, this, and this. You just know it already. And so 
the, some of the work you're doing now is to get you into that space where you have to look at all this stuff. You have to know the why behind what you're doing and stuff like that. But I, I it's that'll change for you. Um, again, I just think that not trying to recreate the wheel really, really helps. And then I systematize it. So every Monday in my class looks the same. Every Tuesday looks the same. Every Wednesday looks the same. Every Thursday, every Friday, by and large, I'd say with about 85 to 90%. And that includes like, so when I say that, it's like, well, where's, what's happening that other 15% of the time or other 10% of the time? It's school meetings, it's pep rallies, it's fire drills, it's uh, a speaker comes in to speak to my class, like those things throw things off. But most of the time, it's trying to do the same thing. So every Monday is you come in, we do a journal entry, we do the new, you get the new vocab words, we talk about a little bit of what we did last week, we're going to talk about what we're going to do this week, and then I'm going to introduce you to something. Tuesday is journal entry, vocab review. Um teach a new, like, so yesterday I started on this thing. Now we're going to go deep into whatever that was. So I may have introduced imagery or plot development. Now we're going deep today. And then Wednesday is just like the next part of that. And Thursday is the next part of that. And then Friday is an assessment on what we did this week. Every Friday is an assessment of what we did this week, even if that thing's not done. So I, we, we might've started something like symbolism and that might take two weeks to get through, but that means that I'm only assessing you on like, these are the parts we know. Let me check for understanding for now. And then next week, we're going to keep going. So it's not overcomplicating it and making it seem so different every single time. It's find out what works and then get better at it and just keep doing that. Same thing has worked for me. I find that when one week we're doing a project and then the next week we're going to do this and then we're going to do this kind of learning. It also leads kids to like, there's no rhythm. I can't ever like fall into what we're doing here and have it work. Like teachers that will do like, a, they either do one kind of vocab review or they don't review and they just give kids words on Monday and then expect they're studying them and they're going to do well on Friday, which is not happening. So they'll, try and review, but it's lame because they don't want to, you know, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing with that. St two things. Simple and deep is better than wide and complex. The other thing is it's better to do something that's super fun again and again and again, or like having like so music Wednesday we do as a review for, for vocab, we do it every single Wednesday. It never loses its luster. Because it's the songs are changing every week. The videos are changing every week. But I just find that people don't end up doing that stuff because they don't, because of this. Teachers want exceptional classrooms without doing exceptional teaching. And so we need to create those exceptional spaces, have the courage to show up and do the thing, but knowing that doing something simple can still be great, right? The Ramones are one of the greatest bands of all time. They played three chords on every single song. Nirvana, very similar thing. Um, there's so many groups that just, that didn't make it. It was like any beginning guitar player could learn a Ramones song, but it didn't make it any less awesome. And so that's how I sort of viewed teaching is like, find a way to simplify it. Find a way that next week you're going to do these similar tenants are going to be in next week's lesson plan. So now I'm just upgrading them. I'm not just dreaming up something new. Start every day the same way. Start Have the same 10 minutes every day so that it falls into this rhythm. And it's going to allow you to focus on the meat of the lesson and put more time into that than all this other stuff. And as your student teaching, I would say that is all encompassing. Like don't forget to like take time for you because that's going to lessen your yeah. stress. Never like, had credit card debt in my life until <laughs> student we teaching. did student teaching. Cause I couldn't work during, I had to just go to school and I didn't have anyone to support me. Except you worked at Starbucks. I did. <laughs> and so we ate a lot of Starbucks. <laughs> we had, we had a plethora of coffee yeah. to keep you going. <laughs> coffee and day old bagels. We were living the dream. Uh, okay, we're we're caught up on questions. Cool. I don't know, you want you want to sing a song?
I could. No, uh, you know, that's not. <laughs> I think. So look, my question is this: um, as we're getting ready and moving into the second part of the year, one of the things I would love to start doing is we want to create uh, workshops that happen every month, right? And so this is going to start in January, but I'm feeling where teachers are right now through the Facebook group, through the emails that I get and the DMs and stuff like that, that maybe we need one in December. That's a kind of like classroom management ish plus engagement, kind of like a one-off uh, workshop that I'm thinking about doing. So I'd love to know what you think about that, but then looking for topics. And then in January having workshops and we're talking about pricing these, I talked about a few weeks ago that are something teachers could do like $39 like starter thing. Um, so for 39 bucks, you show up and we go deep on a singular topic that is meant to help you go. I was talking to a mentee the other day and he was, he said his principal is trying to help him just kind of get through that, like just survive the school year. I'm saying, I don't want to help you survive the school year. I want to help you have now listen to how I'm saying this, have the best year you possibly can. Right. Doesn't have to be the best year you ever had. It could be, right? Level depends, right? Depends on how this falls and hits you and how hard you go at, in 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 charging into what you're doing. But I want you to do better than survive. I want you to do better than, oh my gosh, I made it. It's like, no, just be like, oh, oh, we're done. All right. Oh, okay, cool. Have a great summer, everyone. That's how I want people to end the school year. That's how I want people to go into break. Uh, so yeah. So maybe I'll throw something together for beginning of December because um, Thanksgiving's this week. And yeah, and my birthday. Well, I had a note like, so we had a mentee that actually went to their principal and said, I'm struggling. I want, I found this guy on YouTube and I want to take offers like mentoring. Um, and he signed up and his school is paying for it. Yeah. So if you ever are interested in that, and you feel like, oh, I can't afford it or like it's out of your budget because we all know the price of groceries is crazy right now. Learn that today. Um, yeah. Check with your principal and and ask and see if that's an option. Yeah. Just to the goal is to get people help. Right. There's a lot the of end. teachers that are the struggling end. and it's like, no, we just want to help people. Yeah. Um, oh, you have a question. Cool. Go for it. Uh, so look. In talking about workshops and even moving forward, if we did one a month, we really want to help like with whatever the teacher's needs are, not what we think people need, but it's like, no, what do y'all need? Like shoot them a DM, like write yeah. in an email to us, like put it in comments somewhere. We want to know what people need um, so we can workshops serve. on so we can serve teacher needs. Amen. Um, okay. You got a question. Gian is asking, how do you think it takes, how long do you think it takes to completely reset a classroom culture mid-year, one to three weeks? So it can, it can. It's going to come on a couple of things, Gian. So one, how, what's your level of experience? So like, these are things that like could play into it. Your level of experience, how many students are in the classroom, how much backing do you have from your school or from other teachers? Uh, and then what is the, what is the true reason that your classroom is not running as well as it is? I think a week is, here's why I don't think a week. Um, because I think you can absolutely start doing it in a week and get kids like falling into those rhythms and getting those behavioral management issues to a minimum, but then you have a weekend. And then they're going to come back on Monday. And we all know that kids don't remember any. They're like, what do we even do? Oh, what is this a new book that we're reading? No, we've been reading it for five weeks. And so they probably forget by Monday. Um, but it is a good time. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it at all. It just means that that next week, you're probably going to have to do a little bit more. And then you're probably going to see something similar each Monday until that rhythm and routine keep going. But I think two weeks. I think, yeah, it's, it's, here's the thing, gang. It's just not that hard because it just, it takes courage and it takes commitment. It takes saying we're doing something and then doing it. So for instance, I have a video, it says, uh, 
it's like start your class like a boss. And in that video, I talk about how to manage that first five to 10 minutes. So again, I was talking to this same mentee. He's just that, that particular call is on my mind for when I'm talking about this. I said, what's, what's it, something you'd like to see happen this week? Um, that we can work through in this mentee program, like something that like, man, if you can wave magic wand, it's, it's better. And he said, I just want five or 10 minutes to, to, of quiet. So I can tell the class what we're doing today. And I said, all right, let's run through it. Here's how you're going to start your class first 10 minutes. And I guarantee you, you have a better return. Like you're, you're going to get closer to what you want than you were. And if you keep doing this, you'll have five to 10 minutes of quiet every single day. And how do I know that? Cause it did it. And, and I didn't do it because I was some kind of like, I was like, I'm not Yoda out there. I just, I, it's because I chose my heart. It's because I've had those classes that are, are horrific. And I, and I was shy, embarrassed, shamed, awkward, didn't want to call kids out on stuff. I felt, I felt weird about it. But then it comes down to that's hard. Do I want to live in a classroom? Do I have to go to a classroom every day that is a nightmare and wipes me out? Or do I want to say it and believe it and know that that is hard? That is awkward. That is weird. That that comes with a lot of stuff too. You have to choose your heart. So which one do I want? And I chose being committed, being confident, and at least pretending that I was confident because I'm not always there. And it shows my heart. And I, so I think it's absolutely doable for everyone. It just comes down to this. Here's the beautiful part of it. It has everything to do with you and nothing to do with the students, right? So what that means is you need to become the person that you need to be to handle that class. Because somebody else in your class, in your school, has those students and their class is running oh, at least okay, if not great. It means the kids have it in them. You have to have it in you. But once you do that, now it's replicable. Now you can do it every year. Now it doesn't matter. When all the eighth grade teachers are saying, this year's ninth grade class, oh my God, wait till you see them. They're horrible. They're the worst. And I'm like, no, they're not. Because I have the skills that are going to that are gonna handle the situation. As the Beastie Boys said, the skills to pay the bills. Mm, I love it. All right, this is a fun question. John Lopez Always, uh, he's always comes up with the fun questions. Uh, what is on the Thanksgiving menu at the Reynolds house? Cereal, Lopez. No, not cereal. We eat cereal with the least nutritional value. No, I hate um, cereal actually. I don't really, eat cereal. We're pretty classic turkey stuffing, like all the regular stuff, yeah, right? Sweet potato, oh, but now we're in New Mexico. So, what are we? So, we are getting, getting uh, yeah, my mom is getting a bring tamales, yeah. uh, so that's awesome. Red and green, yeah, uh tamales when you live in new mexico and your mother-in-law is mexican it's tamale time and Mm -hmm. i am couldn't be more excited my mother-in-law makes some of the best food i've ever had in my life oh she's not making me sorry to disappoint you tamales take a long time to make no she ordered them from somewhere great but they're on order and i'll take it um lopez i was gonna text you too i got your uh we got your boxes uh yes i told him in the comments the guy at the post office was like i don't know what you got but it smells good (laughs) so it was really funny so not, you expect a letter from me soon. Not going to say that those Oreos are maybe gone already. They might be. They might already be gone. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jasmine's up next asking, what do you do about cursing in class? Uh, so, oh gosh. This is another one. Depends on. Depends on what grade you're teaching. Depends on. Your personality depends on your school. Uh, I will either, um, I just call kids out on it. Sometimes I just remind kids. I think that they don't remember. So my son does this. My son will be in his room and he's playing video games and he curses and we have like family members over. So I got to like, and he's like, wait, I cursed. Oh, and I know he really doesn't know that he did it, right? Some kids will lie to you, but he doesn't know. Or be like, oh, my bad, my bad, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did that. So it's just reminding kids, I think especially, like I know I curse a lot as a kid, but man, when I hear kids play video games, they curse like a thousand times more than anyone ever needs to curse in their whole life. 
The other thing I do is having conversations with students about like, listen, y'all, can we have a conversation real quick? And again, when I address kids like this, I always sit with the students. I never sit in front of the students because I want to be like, we're sitting around having this conversation. The level of cursing has gotten, uh, it's gotten to be too much. And we need to talk about why this isn't okay in class, right? So I'm not going to talk about is it or isn't okay. A lot of times I do that with stuff in class. I'm going to let you know that's not, but here's why. And then it's having that conversation, walking kids through it, and then knowing the fact that leaders are repeaters and you're going to have to repeat yourself. You're going to have to say it back to kids, right? But that's part of what we sign up for. The other thing that I do that's way more out of pocket, and I do not suggest this for everyone, but someone out there is going to know that they can do it and other people are going to say, there's no way I can do it. I say things back to kids. So if a kid says like, um, I'm not doing this and I don't want to curse because I'm going to get demonetized on YouTube. Otherwise I'd give you the real, the real deal. But like, uh, why we got to do this S all the time? And I'd be like, oh, so Brandon, just so you know, um, school has a rule. You're not allowed to say S in class. So I don't want to have to get you in trouble for saying S in class, but just, so you know, S is not allowed to be said in class because you know, of all these things we talked about before. And, you know, I'd have to call your mom and her know that you're saying S in class. So I just make it like, I make it an explanation that one, I keep saying the word back to them, but in a really nonchalant way that makes, that's the part that's weird for people. But like, I'm just repeating what they said. And then they see how uncomfortable it is. Like when it's like, you're making it weird. Right? That's what I am doing. And I just go so over the top with it that it's like, that that becomes weird. So if if I have um a kid that says something, I'll say like I'll say it sometimes back to them and be like, if you, if you keep saying that, then I'm gonna have to write this email to your mom that you keep talking about fecal matter in class. And I'm not really sure what the situation is with that, but like <laughs> I think that it it might it might make her feel some type of way. And I really don't want your mom to feel some type of way, especially because we're coming up to it. So if you could just talk about fecal matter later. Um, or whatever it is, right? If they're talking, if they say something that has to do with sex, I'll say the same thing where you did this, you did, you thought it was okay, or you thought it was a power move because you're a kid or whatever you thought. And then I just made it so weird that you're like, I will never, I will never curse or talk about that in class again, because Reynolds made it weird. So it kind of depends on where you are. You can take like the really kind of like more mature route, or you can take the Reynolds weird route and both of them work. Well, she said in the comments, uh, I am constantly saying to choose better words, but it has not gotten better. Do you ever have to have like a come to Jesus kind of moment of like, yo, I do. But those are the moments when like I sit with students where I'm just like, listen, like, and, and it, it's a bunch of reasons, right? It's like, first of all, y'all like, you know, the principal walks by, right. You know, and I, this is how I would talk to my students. You know, I'm always doing out of pocket stuff. Like, you know, we're like doing stuff that I'm not really even sure we should be doing, but we're trying to make class the best thing that we can. All you're doing is bringing is bringing more attention my way and not the good kind. You're making it sound like I don't have it under control. So how can I, how is the administration supposed to trust me to take you outside, to do this thing, to bring in this guest, to have this act, this experience, to go on this trip. If they think that y'all are just like cursing up a storm in the classroom and then it makes me look bad. So for the sake of our class, I need you to dial it down because it's making me look bad and look. The Reynolds kids got to eat. You want my kids to not have Christmas presents? It's having those sorts of conversations. And then I, I've done even some research in like uh, talking to kids about why certain words aren't okay. Um, alternatives to those words. So like I've had years we've made up new curse words. What we've made up or not even curse words. We've made up replacements for stuff. Because I just think of like... Uh, that was the year I was watching. Gosh, this is so nerdy. I can't believe I'm about to say it out loud. Watching a show <laughs> called Battlestar Galactica. And instead of the F word in there, they replaced it with frack, which in the beginning was so dumb. Do you remember this? Yes. But I then you just kind of like get used to it because it's the word. And they're like, this is so fracking dumb. And you're just like, <laughs> and, but they, that's how they handled it in the show. So it's helping. It's not just always telling kids better words. It's, it's, helping them to choose better words or finding a better word that's ridiculous or or more fun and just instant instituting it i remember my students because your mom used to say she would get upset about something and she'd be like oh jiminy crickets and i thought that was so ridiculous so i started saying it one year and i had students that would be like jimmy crickets reynolds why do we have all this homework tonight and i'm just like i low-key love <laughs> that you just said jiminy crickets to me and that mm -hmm. came from my mother-in-law
Oh, I love it. My sister is on here on Facebook. Uh, she's sneakily watching us, I guess. And she wanted to remind me that she's bringing pumpkin roll. Well, and Courtney <laughs> would know about Jiminy Crickets. Yeah, she's I'm probably sure laughing if she's still too. on here. Um, all right. I'm not sure we have another question. That's cool. It's right before break, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm surprised. Look, Steph jokes with us on Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar that was Galactica. one of their shows that, like, literally, he's like, "All right, I got it." Like, sci-fi I was like, "All right, this is no. you're we stepping over the, the line of like nerddom." Lower for the me. shades. All right, listen, lock the front <laughs> Such door. Such a good show. We're though. about to watch Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Cool. Here's the, here's the show for you for overbreak uh, while you're just chilling, and everyone's watching anyway. But all the light we cannot see, so good. <laughs> Um, it was so good. Steph's like, let your nerd flag fly. Yeah. Uh, John. After Lopez. that, we started watching Firefly. That was a next was level of nerdness. John Lopez said a former college classmate produced the new version of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Lopez, yeah. we were watching the 1980s, 70s version. Awesome. Uh, I watched that when I was a kid, but we were watching the newer one, and it's we loved it. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. We All good? Right. Yeah, we can. All right, early. gang. We uh, appreciate you. Let me know. I'm going to go back and read these comments or send me a DM or whatever. Let me know if uh, you need a workshop before we go into winter break. So it'll happen like probably I'll announce it sometime next week and then it'll happen in short form after that. Um, We're going to make it as cheap as possible. Here's the thing. It can't cost me money. Right. So thirty nine dollars is the price point. Right. It's like to get the team to be able to do the thing. It's like, all right, bargain barrel, bargain basement price is thirty nine bucks. And then we're going to start doing them at least once a month uh, in January. So let me know. And then I hope everyone has like such a wonderful Thanksgiving break. And it's just uh, soak it up. Remember to give thanks for all that you have. Like that's the. It is season, right? I love Thanksgiving. I feel like we have such a thankful Thanksgiving this year. I mean, we always do, do, but it's been great. So we will see you. uh, See you next week. Peace. Peace.